0: Everybody, welcome to Packers Unscripted from Packers.com. I am Mike Spofford, joined by my trusted colleague, Wes Hodkowitz. We're coming to you here from our studios at Lambeau Field. And Wes, I don't know what to say other than when you think there isn't anything else that Aaron Rodgers can do, he goes and does what he did on Sunday night. 20 to nothing, comes back from a knee injury in the second half, 20 to three going into the fourth quarter, and he wills the Packers to a 24-23 triumph over the Bears to open the Packers' 100th season in front of a crazed crowd at Lambeau Field. Pretty unforgettable night.
1: Well, here's what's funny, Mike. Between the two of us, we probably have a full night's sleep uh, together, maybe maybe eight (laughs) hours. Uh, All last night when I was laying in bed, And this morning when I was driving into work, I knew we were doing Unscripted. It was our first assignment of the morning. That's right. And I sat here trying to think of how in the heck am I going to find the words to describe exactly what happened in the last 30 minutes of that football game, as far as 30 minutes on the clock. Yeah. Um, Aaron Rodgers has done so much throughout the course of his career and you don't want to speak in hyperbole because he's he defies hyperbole uh, <laughs> with what he accomplishes on a on a week in and week out basis but this was one of those finest hour kind of moments for him yep. for the packers to be in the position they were 17 to nothing at halftime 20 to nothing when he reenters the game and for Rodgers to i mean there was no room for error there was no room for a, a ball outside of the zone and a you know four pitch walk he had to be cerebral and he had to be efficient right from the beginning. And I thought Brian Balaga made a really good point in the locker room. That first drive when he was on the field, it didn't matter if it was a field goal. It didn't matter if it was a touchdown. The Packers needed to score points. Yeah. They did that with a Mason Crosby field goal. And after that, you could just see the wheels turning. You could see the momentum building. And in the end, another incredible, remarkable... Figure out what word you want to put with it, Mike, but uh, a monumental performance by Aaron Rodgers in this opener. Yeah,
0: he said after the game he's going to have some more tests on the knee, uh, injured the left knee when he was sacked in the second quarter, carted to the locker room. Everybody in Packerland wondering, has the whole season gone up in smoke already? You know, you you fear the worst, you hope for the best. And, uh, you know, he jogged out of that tunnel uh, after – halftime, and you're like, okay, you know, in my mind, I was saying, okay, no matter what happens tonight, at least it looks like he's okay, yeah. so uh, so that was a good sign, And then, um, and then for him to put on the performance he did in the second half, a perfect passer rating is 158.3, right? That's correct. If you take his second-half passing numbers, before that final play with two seconds left where he just threw it out of bounds to kill the last couple of seconds, he was five-tenths of a point from a perfect passer rating in the second half. The The efficiency, the explosiveness of the offense with the yards after the catch, the things that were happening, the throw to Geronimo Allison for the first touchdown, which was really when it felt that... A comeback was possible i mean you get that game to 20 to 10 with still plenty of time left in the fourth quarter packers defense was playing pretty well at that stage of the game you knew it was possible that was really the the jaw dropping throw of uh of the moment or of the game but the rest of the performance to do what he did on one leg he couldn't move out of the pocket he had to throw on time he shuffled around a little bit when he uh when he needed to to create a throwing lane here or there and just uh, hats off to the Packers playmakers. They made plays, and the offensive line bowed up and got the job done.
1: And here's the biggest thing, Mike. I said this in 2014 as well, and I'm going to say it right now. This, uh, These examples, when you go back to the final stretch of 14 and what he did on Sunday night, are why Aaron Rodgers could potentially play well into his 40s if, if the health thing works out, because he's going to be able to adapt his game. We've seen it. They had to do it again last night. They bust out more pistol formations in the second half. He has to operate more in the pocket. It becomes probably a little bit more of a traditional West Coast offense with the quick throws underneath in yep. allowing, as you mentioned, his receivers, and we'll talk about them in a moment, to make plays after the run. That was a big thing in this game was the yards after the catch. Yep. And when you look at Rodgers, I think that that's why when he gets to 38, 39, 40 and beyond, he's going to be able to have success a la Tom Brady because that arm strength is – going to be there with him and he knows how to navigate in the pocket when he wants to yes it elim- it'll probably eliminate some of the free plays might eliminate some of the scramble drill type stuff but as far as being in time and in sync with the offense there's no one better and the offense needed to get momentum built I thought they did that with Randall Cobb some of the short stuff underneath you know we talk about the you know 75 yard touchdown pass here in a minute but Randall Cobb had a lot of really important catches underneath to keep the chains moving. Mm -hmm. And they were able to do that consistently throughout that second half. But for it going back to Aaron Rodgers and being in his being the ball being in in his hand, I I don't know if I've ever seen anything better than that in terms of what he was able to do in the comeback he was able to mount in spite of, I'm sure, a knee that wasn't feeling too hot.
0: Yeah. I mean, a couple of other things that certainly played into this comeback. One was a bounce back, I guess you could say, for the offensive line in the second half compared to the first half. Khalil Mack was, you know, a one-man wrecking crew almost. Uh, he ended up playing 40-plus snaps in this game, which I think is more than a lot of us anticipated. And uh, Packers really had a hard time with him in the first half when Deshaun Kaiser's in the game. He simply stripped the ball away from him right. uh, in the red zone when the Packers were at least going to be able to kick a field goal there and get on the scoreboard with the score only 10 nothing at the time. And then the uh the the pick six on uh you know a, a somewhat careless play and he's mr johnny on the spot not only does he snag a short pass that uh um that nobody would have been necessarily expecting but then he weaves his way and gets all the way into the end zone for a touchdown to make it 17 nothing in the last minute of the first half the packers offensive line give credit to brian balaga justin mccray they both had a couple of rough moments in the early going of this game but then in the second half, when the pocket had to be there for Rodgers because he couldn't run away from it, the pocket was there, and he's able to stand tall and make some throws.
1: Yeah, and that was just trusting your ninth-year, you know, veteran right tackle. It wasn't like the Packers started packing in, you know, tackles and running backs to help out, you know, the edge uh, with with Balaga and, and Bakhtiari. I mean, they pretty much told those guys, your assignment is to block those guys one on one or do yep. your best job to do so. And they were up to that challenge since the very beginning, as you mentioned. There were some plays specifically in that first half that I know both Balaga and McCray wanted back. but for them to be able to adjust the way they did, and Balaga talked about it, the technique he was working with, what he was trying to do against Mac, he got more comfortable with it in the second half. and they were able to, you know kind of negate him uh, during that final stretch and, and allow Rogers to get into that rhythm. But I mean the thing I keep going back to, and you addressed it early on, Mac played 70% of the defensive snaps for, for the Chicago Bears, uh, four behind Leonard Floyd, who had 46 as their top press rusher from the linebacker position before Mack's acquisition. So... Uh, Matt Nagy and Vic Fangio had no problem putting him out there. They wanted to get him out there. And you could see that that was the tide that the Packers kind of had to weather a little bit in that first half because that was it. For everything that Aaron Rodgers did for the Packers in the second half with giving them a spark, Khalil Mack was that for Chicago, both with what he did on the field and I think just from a swagger standpoint too.
0: Oh, no question.
1: So for the Packers to be able to weather that and get to where they got – Pretty pretty darn impressive.
0: Yeah, and another thing I think that really stands out that you wouldn't have expected in terms of how this comeback happened is twenty-four points in the second half for the Green Bay Packers and Jimmy Graham did not catch a single pass. This was this was about the receivers. This was about Randall Cobb, Geronimo Allison, Devontae Adams. Lots of yards after the catch. I thought the you know that blitz pickup by Jamal Williams on Danny Trevathan, which then allowed the throw to Adams, where he slips away and then uh, is able to run and ended up a 51-yard pass play and all sets up his own touchdown later on. Another great yards after the catch play where right. he catches the pass in the red zone, does a little start and stop, and then is able to get to the pylon. Those kinds of things you could just you could just sense the the momentum was building, the things were happening for the Packers and. And these receivers, there was the one possession, Geronimo Allison, what he got thrown to three or four times, times. uh, almost consecutively. Three um, times in in a row. Yeah. 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 In that, that, that one stretch and uh, everybody, everybody that was called on to make a play at one, at one given time or another made a play.
1: Well, what was really uh, incredible about it is the three touchdown producing drives, basically all three of those drives belonged to one receiver. (laughs) <laughs> the first one that was sort of the spark was Jeronimo Allison. Jeronimo Allison, Michael, had five catches for 69 yards in this game. I believe four for 67 were on that drive on alone. On that drive, yeah. Uh, including the 39-yard touchdown pass, which is was an amazing throw from Rodgers. Just looked effortless, standing in the pocket and throws it over Kyle Fuller, their number one, uh, being able to to you know connect with Jeronimo Allison. Allison jumping up into that number three role. Packers showed they're still very much going to be a three-receiver team. He'd been on the field for most of the night. And then you go to that next series. Devontae Adams gets a bulk of his five catches for 88 yards on that, including the long catch and run for 51, and then does it kind of again uh, on the touchdown pass, basically running that thing in for 10 yards after the the short pass from Rodgers. Yeah. And then what do you say about Randall Cobb? And <laughs> I asked Devontae Adams about that afterwards. He said that was vintage Randall Cobb. That's the reason why he's here, and that's why he continues to make plays. Yes, he was, he was kind of the guy that was helping move the chains early on, some eight, nine-yard passes, and then out of nowhere, like usual, he's right where he needs to be at the moment he needs to be there. Rodgers puts the ball, again, just probably the best pack, the pass he threw all night in terms of the pinpoint accuracy of it through traffic. And then once that ball arrived, yeah. nobody behind him. And that, Cobb said he'd never seen anything quite like it.
0: Yeah, that that was that was one of the really special moments in the game because we get asked a lot of times, you know, what's it like watching the game from the press box? You know, how how much do you hear the crowd, you know, how much does that that, you know, influence or, or impact what you're uh, how you're processing what you're seeing out there? And the moment that Cobb caught that pass and spun around, and obviously from, you know, the bird's eye view, I don't know how exactly it looked on television, but from the bird's eye view, you could see all this open space. And there was a there was almost like a stunned excitement to right. the roar of the crowd when he took off. It wasn't just starting to roar because it was going to be a good play. It was like, holy cow, right. like look at all of that open space. And... Um, I'm not sure what exactly happened on the Bears' defense on that play. They've certainly got uh, a, a lot of regrets in terms of some of these uh, yards after the catch plays that the Packers had, but, uh, um, but boy, what a moment. I mean, Aaron Rodgers takes the field with, uh, what was it, 2.39 on the clock, and you're like, okay, no timeouts, but you got the two-minute warning, you know, plenty of time for Rodgers. Packers are in the end zone before the two-minute warning. I don't think anybody thought that was coming. And
1: you talk so much, Mike, during the offseason program, during training camp, about those important reps that those teams get. I don't think there was a better example of it than that second half of what all that work means because all three of those receivers said it. I think Mike McCarthy mentioned it too. They didn't know that Aaron Rodgers was going to be the quarterback in the second half. Everybody was getting ready to rally behind Deshaun Kaiser and try to get some points on the board. But lo and behold, like everybody else, Rodgers emerges from the tunnel, and then that was the fun part about this night, too, is that seeing the crowd come alive when they start to notice that is actually out there, oh, and now 12 is actually jogging. Uh, that was, I mean, that, that ovation, I don't think it was just because there probably wasn't as many people in the bowl at that time coming back from, you know, whatever you do during halftime. Right. But it, it was basically right there with 2014 and him coming back against Detroit with the calf. Uh, just... Incredible, and and that spark, whether it was offense, defense, even special teams, I think everybody took something from that.
0: Yeah, well, uh, I want to talk a little bit about the defensive side and uh, and – that uh, the role in the comeback but a little sponsor business here first at home or here in the stands we all know that green bay fans give it their all and that takes a lot of energy so grab a warm bowl of campbell's chunky soup it's meaty goodness fuels the greatness of packers fans everywhere try the delicious classic chicken noodle soup just visit your local supermarket and ask for campbell's chunky soup official soup partner of the green bay packers okay west defensive side of the ball bears come out march right down the field on their first possession you can tell it's you know the scripted plays all that kind of stuff they're shifting around doing lots of motion a lot of misdirection and everything they go right down and score a touchdown but after that i mean i know there there are always some plays that you wish you know a tackle here there whatever but i thought the packers defense played pretty darn well you know Jordan Howard is no slouch of a running back. Allen Robinson, Taylor Gabriel, this whole new receiving core for the Bears, and um, for the Packers defense to only give up three field goals the rest of the way after the opening touchdown because the Chicago got seven points on the mm-hmm. pick six by Mac, um, I thought it was uh, I thought it was a, a solid performance and certainly the back to back three and outs in the second half when the Packers were mounting the comeback. You know that. That was getting Chicago's defense right back on the field, and you could see as the game wore on that that pass rush was getting tired. They, you know, they didn't have. The energy that they had in the first half, when uh, when the Packers' offense was struggling and and uh, they didn't have to play quite so many snaps, so it all th- there was this whole evolution to the game and uh, and the Packers' defense I give them credit wasn't a perfect outing by any means but they hung tough and uh, and they got the stops when they needed to.
1: So basically, there was three things to this Packers' defense that really struck me. One, the resiliency to come back after kind of getting punched in the mouth a little bit on the first series, and then you know maybe a little bit the second one too. Bears had 146 total yards at that point. The next eight series, I wrote about this in our game notes afterwards, had 148 for the rest of the game. Yeah. After that second series, the Packers went out of six series, five times did not allow a first down, so either getting three and outs or four and outs uh, in that stretch. Blake Martinez mentioned it. They were just trying to do a little too much early on, and I think you saw it. They opened up. Here, here's the thing that I think is going to be the biggest indicator for the Packers under Petten. There's going to be unpredictability. Because uh, I'll, I'll tell you this, and I think this is, I think this is a, a compliment. I couldn't make out his packages, <laughs> so if I can't make out his packages looking from the press box down at the field, I don't know how Mitchell Trubisky was able to take care of it. My hunch is, is that they basically use Jermaine Whitehead as the inside linebacker in the nickel next to Blake Martinez, all of the nitro nickel. Uh-huh. But even then, like the dime packages and even some of the base concepts. They were using three defensive linemen in either of them, mm-hmm. in addition to two outside linebackers. I think you even made a comment once; it was almost like a five-one-five front. Yeah, uh, at times I think three-three-five, at times, and they would send everybody. You had cornerbacks coming off the weak side three at a time. I mean, you had guys dropping back in coverage. Clay Matthews was dropping back in coverage. But what impressed me the most about all that, getting back to what the big narrative was all offseason, to look more complicated than it is. There weren't personnel issues for the Packers. You didn't see any substitution timeouts or or penalties from 12 men on the field. Clay Matthews came close on one, but got off in time to be able to uh, end up getting a third down stop. Yeah, It was pretty impressive with all those defensive backs and all those moving parts, what they were able to do. And I think you kind of have to tip your cap to Blake Martinez, too, for being able to control all of it on the field.
0: Yeah, well, we talk a lot in this day and age in the NFL with everything so much geared towards offenses. On the defensive side, it comes down to when you make your plays. Right. And a lot of times it's... Sometimes it's being able to make up for the mistake of a teammate. And last night's game was the perfect example of it. Kyle Fuller drops the interception on the first play of the Packers' game-winning touchdown drive that basically would have sealed the game. I mean, the Packers would have had virtually no chance after that. He drops it. Two plays later, there's a huge breakdown, and Cobb has a 75-yard touchdown. Then you flip it the other way to the Packers on Chicago's last drive. A huge mistake by Clay Matthews, roughing the passer on fourth and nine. It looks like the game is over, but there's a flag. Matthews gets called for it. 15 yards, automatic first down, puts the Bears close to midfield. I don't think they were quite all the way to midfield. Line. But close to midfield where they're really only 20 yards away then at that point from a field goal to beat you 26-24. And the Packers defense makes up for the mistake of their teammate. They get a four and out Nick Perry with the sack on fourth down that pops the ball loose. Kenny Clark recovers. And, um, you know, it just these games can hinge on such small moments in yeah. a sense. But it those small moments become big moments because of what happens around them. And uh, the Packers were the ones that took advantage of those moments with the game on the line.
1: And I'll say this, too, Mike, for them to be able to bounce back from that personal foul we we hear it all the time i know dom capers used to talk about it too if you have a personal foul on the drive i mean basically there's a three times more uh, likely chance that they're going to score on that drive not only did the packers not give up any points they didn't give up another yard (laughs) three more incompletions from mitchell trubisky I said going into this thing, my biggest thing I was looking for was going to be the coverage units, was going to be what these cornerbacks were like. I did not anticipate Josh Jackson becoming the first Packers rookie to start a game at cornerback since Sam Shield. Right. I didn't anticipate that they were going to run as many six defensive back packages in every situation as they did. But now that we've seen it, you're starting to get a better understanding for why the Packers put so many resources into the back end, why they wanted Joe Witt Jr., Overseeing that entire unit because there is a lot of synergy now. And just to throw one more thing out there, I thought Kentrell Bryce probably had his best game as a Packer too on the back end. Made a lot of big plays, made a lot of big open field tackles, including that one sack uh, that ended up being you know for the out of bounds. Yeah. I just thought a lot of guys stepped up, particularly in those last two and a half quarters.
0: Yeah. Well, quickly before we go, I just want to get your thoughts on the rest of Week One in the NFL. What uh, what jumped out to you? I mean, for me. That uh, that game down in New Orleans with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, New Orleans Saints. No one saw that coming right. in the NFC South. Ryan Fitzpatrick, four hundred plus yards and four touchdowns, and the Saints, who I thought were was they I thought they were the best team in the NFL in the postseason last year. They lose on a fluke in Minneapolis. Now suddenly they're trying to figure out what's wrong with their defense.
1: Yeah, and you know who's not Packers fans? <laughs> My goodness, I got so many tweets that day saying. Yeah, who holds the Saints' first-round draft yeah. pick again? A long way to go, people. Yeah. But uh, it's gonna be funny watching all these Packer fans kind of be, you know, railbirds the rest of the year with the New Orleans Saints season. Uh, for me, it's it's the Browns. They did technically end their losing streak, <laughs> but they're still looking for that win. But and it went viral. But I'm sure you saw that Cleveland Browns for best best start since 2004 zero 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 and one. Yeah. Hey, it's. It's not a loss, so we'll yeah. take it. Well,
0: they're still waiting for all those uh, refrigerators and the bars to open with <laughs> all the all the beer. I guess that you know the tie doesn't quite uh, doesn't quite count there. But the Vikings. Uh Vikings get a big win. Packers are going to be playing them at Lambeau Field next week. The Kirk Cousins era starts off right for Minnesota 24-16 over the 49ers in Minneapolis. It
1: is the Kirk Cousins era, but it's still the Minnesota Vikings defense. and They made some big plays down the stretch to pull out that victory, and it's going to be a really difficult task for the Packers this week, no question about it.
0: Yeah, we'll be talking about uh, that Vikings defense quite a bit in the coming days. With that, we will call it a wrap on this edition of Packers Unscripted. Be sure to follow all of our coverage of the team, On Packers.com, on Twitter, he's at Wes Hod. I'm at Mike Spofford, at Packers for the team account. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you next time.